Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On today's show, Ben Elwood joins me for our final David Lynch episode. Yes, it's the end of our Deep Dive Director series as we look at Inland Empire. My name is Justin Hamilton, and this is also the finale of Season 5 of Big Squid. Yes, you have joined us for the finale of Season 5, which has ended up being 86 episodes. (laughs) I really don't have any idea how long a season is going to go. Uh, Maybe the next one will be shorter. I have no idea. It kind of revolves around the Deep Dive Director series. So once we get to the end of that, that always feels like uh, the finale of a season. So uh, basically what we're going to do is uh, you'll have this episode. And then there'll be a little break as I do work on preparation for season six. And then I'll be back in just a few weeks. And uh, over the course of the rest of this year, I'm going to be balancing this podcast. I'm back at the chase. I'm back at question everything. There's live performances and there's some hush hush secret squirrel projects that I'm working on. So the end of this year is going to be full on. So I need to have this little break, which technically is a break, but I'm working all the way through it. (laughs) So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get ahead of everything so then when things get really busy, uh, I've got a bit of breathing space to make sure that this podcast comes out on time for you. So hang around for the end of this podcast and I'll tell you about some of the things we're going to be doing in our next season. A few little changes and some of your favourites. So it'll be a nice little blend there. So I'll tell you more about that at the end. Adelaide, it is also time to let you know the second wave of guests for our Big Squid live show on September 16 at the Rhino Room. And uh, the new guests include Georgia Mooney, Limo, 
Mickey D and making his Big Squid debut. I reckon this guy's going to go places. Will Anderson. That's right. I'm producing a show in Adelaide that has all of them, including Rove, Tom Gleeson, Adam Richard, and Ben Elwood. And not only that, my listeners can score a discount on their tickets by using the promo code BIGSQUID. It is going to be a big night, and my guests are going to be discussing the art and entertainment that influenced them before they hit the big time. And uh, one of my guests in particular is going to be talking about how the Paul Hogan show influenced one of their most celebrated characters. So if you would like to come to the show, and since you're a loyal listener, remember to use the promo code BIGSQUID, and you can get the tickets at adelaidecomedy.com. Melbourne and Sydney, ticket sales for my solo show, Little Victories, have been, to be honest, have been fantastic. I can't thank you enough. I honestly had a moment of putting on a show in Melbourne thinking, is anyone going to remember me? It's been a long time since I performed in Melbourne, so uh, turns out some of you do, and I appreciate that, so thank you, and I can't wait to perform this new show at the Sydney Comedy Store on the 28th of October and at Comedy Republic on the 26th of November. So once again, my Big Squid listeners can save some money on your ticket. Make sure you use the promo code PODCAST. So I want to reward your loyalty for listening to this podcast. So uh, make sure you use the promo code PODCAST to get some money off all of your ticket purchases. So this is my first solo show since pre-COVID. So... What a shame nothing's happened since then and there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> People in Adelaide uh, accidentally saw the show and because uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was a show then. So when I performed at the Rhino Room in June and then I got off stage, I was like, oh, I have a show. That's interesting. So that is what I will be bringing to your cities. So if you would like to come along, please do so. And uh, if you know anyone else who you think uh, might be into my stand-up, that would be great as well. Uh, Patreon subscribers, don't forget you have a different discount that is even juicier than this podcast one. I'll post the codes for all three shows on the Patreon site with this week's script. So make sure you use that code. And when you sign up for Patreon, you not only have access to bigger discounts to live events, you also gain uh, an opportunity to listen to extra podcasts. Uh, You know, between you and me, there is going to be a a tasty little podcast coming out later this week that is going to have my thoughts on two trailers that dropped last week. Pretty big week for me. Two trailers. It was a teaser trailer for Oppenheimer and a new trailer for Moon Age Daydream. Yeah. So I'm going to save that for the Patreon. So keep an ear out for that later on. But anyway... When you sign up for the Patreon, you will gain access to podcasts like that, scripts, works in progress, all sorts of bonuses, and you also have an episode dedicated to you, and today's shout-out goes to Glenn Merry and his family, Suze and Oscar. Glenn, thank you for your support, not just on this podcast, but throughout the years. Uh, Glenn and I have known each other and been friends for a long time. He started coming to see me perform live at The Shelf at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. We were trying to work out in our last email exchange if it was 2012 or 2013. I, Glenn, was it maybe when The Dollop first came out? Or maybe it was um, Walk the Room. Maybe it was even as far back as then. So 
thank you for not only supporting uh, me at the Melbourne Comedy Festival with the shelf and solo shows, uh, but the old podcast. Can you take this photo, please? That was my first podcast. Ah, such memories. And the shelf podcast with Adam Richard. So many podcasts back in the day, all consolidated here now. Uh, It's a real treat to have such a long relationship with Glenn. So thanks, mate, and I appreciate you always checking in to see what I'm up to. I don't take it for granted to have uh, someone's uh, loyal listenership and uh, always such delightful emails as well. So thanks, mate. And I hope you're avoiding that storm out west. Or depending on when you hear this podcast, you've avoided that storm. It looks a bit scary. So uh, batten down the hatches and I hope everything's fine. If you'd like to join our growing Big Squid community on Patreon, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you will find a tier that suits you. Make sure you hang around until the end for an update on season six. But now it is time to meet Nikki, an actress who takes on a role in a new film. Her excitement is tempered by the fact her jealous husband has given a warning to her co-star about making any romantic overtures. This is difficult because their characters are having an affair. And to make matters worse, they discover the film they're making is a remake of an unfinished movie where the stars were murdered. Come and join me as we hold hands with David Lynch and visit Inland Empire. From Hollywood, California, where stars make dreams and dreams make stars. You have a new role to play, I hear. Up for a role. No, no. I definitely heard that you have it. Action. Damn! This sounds like dialogue from our script. Cut, cut it. <laughs> Our producers know the history of this film and they've taken it on themselves not to pass on that information to us. Purposefully. Something's wrong. Do you love me? It's a story that happened yesterday. But I know it's tomorrow. Don't you remember anything? How it was? If you're going to finish a run on a director, you should finish with the movie that is the pure heroine version of every film that they've made. So when we first talked about this, you hadn't seen the movie before, is that correct? No, I'd never seen it before. Ever, right. <laughs> no. And In fact, I was scared of it. I, I, I feel like I, my relationship with this movie was similar to Naomi Watts' relationship with the videotape in The Ring. <laughs> right, like there right. was a real fear. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like when I read, um, what's that? What's that Grant Morrison comic, Nemesis? Uh, and I, oh, Nameless. Nameless. Yes. 
Like when I finished Nameless, yes. I don't do magic very often, but I did a banishing spell because I was convinced that something gnarly from a dark dimension had gotten into my head. Right. And that's similar to this film. Yes. Like, I was scared to watch this film. Yes. There is something Lovecraftian about (laughs) this movie. Uh, I had seen it once before, and I remember watching it by myself and then having a little lay down on the lounge for two or three hours. (laughs) Just a bit like, what have I just experienced? And then... Weirdly, uh, the, the movie had not stuck in my memory. Mm. Bits of it had, yeah. like bits of it, kind of cling to your to your brain and and pop up in such diverse ways. But the the overall arch of the film was like, oh, this is actually feeling quite new when I watched it a second time, and then I've watched it a third time too. Because it, this is by far of every film we have done for the deep dive directors from Nolan to uh, Sophia Coppola to Lynch. This is the hardest one to write. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you say when you say that you couldn't remember the arc of it, I think that that's by design. Yeah. Like when we talk about Lynch's films being dreamlike, this yeah. is the most dreamlike. Yeah. Like when I spoke to you after the first time I watched it, I said, I'm going to have to watch it again to even be able to have a semi-coherent conversation about it. Because if you put me on the spot right, a day after I watched it and said, what happens in the movie? I'd be like, ah, uh, there's some rabbits. Yeah. Laura Dern freaks out. Yeah. Someone gets stabbed with a <laughs> screwdriver. I'm not really sure what. Like, but you know, it, it, it was it's similar to a really vivid dream you have. Yeah. And the shape of it's in your head when you wake up, but as each minute goes by, you lose more and more chunks until all you're left with is resonant images. Yeah. And really nothing else. And, and a vague vibe. A vibe, yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. So, and normally, like, what I'll do is I'll watch the film. If it's one that I know really well, like Lost Highway, Mm. I just kind of took notes all the way through Mm, that mm, one. mm. Uh, If it's one that's new, I'll watch it, and then I'll watch it a second time, you know, one eye on the screen, one eye just writing notes as I go along. Mm. And this one, both times when I was trying to write notes, like, I'd give up after about 20 minutes because it's just... Fragments and yes. and also there's so much going on. Yeah. You're actually missing the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you watched it twice for this. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I've essential. Done, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> like a thank goodness I really enjoyed it <laughs> because uh, <laughs> otherwise I'd just say why don't we just finish one short? Um, With all that said, I fucking love it. Yes. Like I love this movie. Yes. It's in immediately in the top five for me. Yes, of great. What he's done. Well, we're going to do. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to do at the end for you our our list of uh, where we rank our Lynch films, which is also it's it's going to be funny because things that finish towards the bottom, I really like. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we've had a good run with directors. There hasn't been there hasn't been a movie yet where you just go, well, that's quite clearly bottom. Yeah, like everything's really. And I've I had to, after three versions of my list, I have walked away from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, essentially it's quite arbitrary and, yeah. and you know, could shift at any time. Yeah, so. it's, it's how I feel at the moment. Yes. So, so the way I thought we could interpret this is that I thought I would share, uh, if you want to share your interpretation and I can also share my interpretation, yeah. and then we what we can do is we can bounce off that while we go through the script. You yeah, know, yeah. And, you, well, and you, tell, you tell me yours because I, okay. only, I only kind of came to what I think about it on the way here. Okay. Oh, 
And what I also have for you, which yeah. is really funny, was yeah. I wrote all of this down and then ages, like it, when I say ages, a few days later, uh, went on to inlandempirefandom.com, yes. the, the wiki page there, yeah. uh, because I try to avoid that, except yeah, yeah, for when yeah, I'm yeah. doing you know, the squid bits part. Yeah. And then I saw the plot synopsis there and I'm like, well, that's why the words interpretation. <laughs> See, I, I'm going to confess a lot of what I think is from that. Yeah. Ba- based on stuff that I was thinking when I watched it last night, but I actually love that interpretation. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah, we'll so, do yeah, so, yeah, so do I. Yeah, yeah, so do yeah, I. Yeah. But this is, um, this is kind of what I had going through me. I feel like my interpretation is a little bit more oblique and more an emotional reading sure. of it than yeah, yeah, a... Yeah. This Literal is what beat happens. for beat, yeah. So, what I wrote is... Inland Empire is also described as a movie about a woman in trouble. We then see many women in this movie who are in different states of peril. I think this is a movie about how society is ruined by the patriarchy, particularly towards women, but even some types of men. Everyone is viewed through the lens of the patriarchy and act accordingly and are also trapped in those views. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern plays Nikki, an actress who in classic Lynch style goes to Hollywood full of dreams and promises. She is treated poorly and her pain is turned into entertainment. In the process of becoming part of the Hollywood machine, she loses sight of herself, which a lot of other women also have happened to them. Meanwhile, uh, a sad woman watches the product uh, of Nikki's pain that has been trans- uh, transformed into entertainment. But somehow mm. the truth of Nikki manages to cut through to the woman who is inspired to turn away from the sadness of her life and Hollywood. And in the, in that respect, she returns to the world that makes her happy. She does return to a conventional life of man, woman and child, but there is hope that they can approach this version of life with a sense of enlightenment. In the process, this frees Nikki from her misery too, and she can vanquish the Phantom, who is representative of the patriarchy. Her art and truth have managed to rise above the way she's been manipulated and the way society views her and other women. In the end, the uh-huh. women dancing and singing Cinnamon uh, is cathartic. Usually a song about a sinner trying to escape divine justice on Judgment Day. The woman who sings, sings directly to the camera. She sings to us. Mm. We're the sinners along with Hollywood and we're the people that justice is coming for. And, that, and my last line was, at least that's what I think it means today. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That actually is fantastic. And I think that there's a lot of, yeah. So, even, you know, you've read that synopsis, yeah. which we'll read for the listeners. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it doesn't necessarily discount it, but that's kind of the emotional reading I got. Well, I think that the the the, the more kind of beat for beat, quote unquote literal, because what's literal in this world, yeah. uh, interpretation that I've kind of glommed onto doesn't exclude what you've just said i think what's so incredible about this it's you know it's three hours it's sprawling it's got multiple dimensions it's got multiple timelines yeah there's as there is in every lynch movie replicants of replicants on and on and on yeah so more than any of his other movies more than maholland drive even i think you can have 10 concurrent interpretations that are all true at the same time yeah like there's so there's so much going on in this like yeah. it's, it's really it's a really it's the first one where i felt truly overwhelmed and like so many 
quote unquote normal people do when they watch just an average Lynch movie. Right. You know how like people who aren't into his stuff watch whatever, Wild at Heart, and go, whoa, that was fucking crazy. I don't know yeah. what to make of that. Yeah. It's like, no, it's pretty straightforward. It's yeah. just like a fucked up love story. That's how I felt with this one. Yeah. Really out of my depth. Yeah. It, it felt <laughs> really out of my depth. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I felt like at the end of it, I had, you know, like a mild panic erection. It was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, how am I going to put this into any coherent form? Yeah. That's just not us talking around in circles, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like how, like trying to find a driving force. So it was yeah. like, I had to sit on it. For a few days, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I had to rewatch it, yeah. and then really focus on a, 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 some sort of through line for our yeah, yeah, sakes, yeah. and then anyway. So, in your interpretation of it, with the uh, the girl in the hotel, yeah. crying and watching Nikki's yeah. uh, Nikki slash Sue's and, uh, art, and seeing you know, and we'll talk more about this later, but like the rabbit stuff to me is the you know the the sausage making machine of Hollywood just releasing shit that you know <laughs> just you know they're all sort of saying it, it's it's reinforcing yeah. stereotypes and yeah, there's yeah, a laugh yeah. track to things that are non sequiturs so so in your interpretation do you not think that the rabbits are influencing events at all or that's just kind of one more layer going on in the, well, in, that, the, in the indictment of Hollywood I, I'm guessing that they're influencing her in the sense that she's really sad <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's sitting there going, you know, it's like in in a in a more conventional TV show, that's uh, the seventh season of Two Men and a... What, two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that the rabbits are influencing stuff because there's that moment where uh, the Polish men are having some kind of seance or some kind of ritual where they're summoning the girl in the yep. hotel room. And then... They transform into the rabbits. Yes, and also, oh, fuck, we're gonna we're gonna sound like we've got dementia talking about this movie. No, uh, it's great. And, and and then people already think that listening to this podcast, <laughs> that this will be nothing new. This will just reinforce their. Yeah, but this, this is like a whole new level. Yeah, this is the first movie that I've been actually afraid to talk. Not afraid to talk about, but really like I don't know what how yeah. to talk about this in yeah. any kind of coherent, intelligent way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Polish men uh, doing the seance. Turn into the rabbits. Yeah. And then at the end, it's almost like the rabbits are, for me anyway, the rabbits are assisting Nikki from breaking out of this kind of uh, curse that she's in. Right. Of having to live this oh, yeah, so, multi-dimensional you know, life. Yeah, so kind of like not dissimilar, to, like we're coming at it from different angles. Yeah. But yeah, the, it's the holding her in place kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's... Um, yeah, it's a really easy move to just... Uh, and now we're talking about the last half hour. And now we're going to go back to the first 17 minutes. And now we're in the middle hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in many ways, this feels like an emotional sequel to Mulholland Drive, where yep. we once again follow an actress, uh, Laura Dern as Nikki Gray, says she lands a part in a film called On High in, in Blue, Blue Tomorrow. That's <laughs> such a David Lynch <laughs> phrase. <laughs> so On High in Blue Tomorrow. It's so funny. As the actor merges with her character, the film and reality lose their relationship to time and space. What do these two movies have to say about actors and the craft of acting? It's it's interesting. I think that there was for. Uh, I think that there's. It, it really shows the trauma that comes from being a performer. Yeah. You know, because I think another interpretation of this is that she gets so lost in the role that she can't 
discern anything between her own reality and yep. the reality of her character. Yeah. And there is that moment where she fully inhabits the life of Sue. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, and you think about that with some of these performances that actors and actresses put in where it's like, how do you just switch on that level of emotion and go, cut, okay, and just go yeah. back to your life? Well, how many times are there affairs on sets? Yeah, like, it yeah, makes yeah. sense because you subsume who you are yeah. and then you are spending a lot of time often acting like, you know, like I love to make fun of acting and call it, you know, pretensies. Uh, you know, just professional pret- pretenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is. so <laughs> Professional dress-ups. Yeah, you know, and like I like to be a bit dismissive of it mm. while also thinking it's a real craft and also loving it. Fuck I think yeah. it's, I think it's more the, the, the focus on it rather than yeah. the actual craft itself. But it's also like there's just so many actors that I've met who, hey, you know what, that's not fair, so many performers – in, across the board who when you talk to them off stage or from when they're not on a camera it's like uh-huh. what am I getting here yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is just not a real human being and they, they they chip away at themselves to such an extent to play all these different people and th- and I think that's why they end up in these weird places yeah, and yeah, weird yeah. relationships and Peter Sellers would talk about that yeah that there was no real Peter Sellers right like he would openly speak about that there was yeah. no actual he was just this balsa wood kind of shell. Yeah. And the reason that he had to play these characters was because it's the only way he could feel human and alive. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, in in that kind of extreme, it's a form of psychopathy, I think. But, you know... Y- y- <laughs> <laughs> that explains his appearance in the Get Back doco as well, where everyone's really relaxed and he's like, oh, I don't know yeah. how to act in this moment. Absolutely. Which character do I portray? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I know I know he's been cancelled, but the Jeffrey Rush, um, uh, I can't remember what the name of the movie is, but where he plays Peter Sellers is actually yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Uh, kind of morphing in between these different roles to feel you know, like, a, like a man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just don't know, like, I think the older I get, the more I appreciate acting I, I think when I was younger I used to look at acting and go yeah I could do that yeah and then you look at some performances and it's you know like a like a love performance yeah where two people are like deeply in love or they're fucking on screen or whatever they're doing staring into each other's eyes I mean it's been scientifically proven that if you sit across from a stranger and stare deeply into each other's eyes for 15 minutes and ask each other a few key questions something starts going off in the brain where you might not fall in love with the person, but it is the illusion of yeah. feeling in love. Yeah. I went to the Marina Abrovovic, um exhibition a few years ago. Do you know her? No. She's this, um, I can't remember what, Eastern European country. She, she's a very famous performance artist and her big thing is sitting across from other people and staring into their eyes. And uh, it was this warehouse in Circular Quay and you would go in, you had to surrender your phone, your watch, everything, and you had to exist in a completely silent space. And there were all these activities like sorting white beans from black beans. And it was all about getting in a meditative, calm, timeless state. And then they had chairs opposite each other where you would sit and a stranger would sit opposite you and you would stare into their eyes. And I had a session with a stranger. I don't know how long it went for, but it felt like it went for a good hour where it was one of the most intense relationships I've ever had with anyone ever in my life. Right. It was crazy just staring into this person's eyes. And we were laughing and crying. And it it was like this full-blown relationship in miniature. 
And then she just stood up and that was it. It was gone. And then you think about these actors that are like, you know, for months and months playing a married couple or a a couple intensely in love. I don't know how you... Do they just switch it on and off? How do you not take some of that home with you? How does it not have some kind of impact on you outside of the realm of making a film? Well, I I guess the most mature and uh, fully formed of actors probably... You know, they end up having these really close relationships, don't they? Like, it's just a close yeah. friendship, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you're not on top of it, it can morph into something else. Especially also, it's it's not just the physical act of being, uh, you know, in a close proximity with someone that you're performing with. It's also the fact that you also have to have a level of trust that the director who is filming you is not making the worst movie or TV show that you've ever seen. Like sometimes I feel bad for actors who are putting in a pretty good performance in something that ends up being mush. But then on top of it, you get the, um, pardon me, you get the, uh, sorry, I'm getting all emotional. I'm thinking about all those actors that have had a tough time. Um, But then you have to think about, uh, you know, the paparazzi and social media and all of that pressure when, oh, what's going on with them, you yeah, know, and yeah, all of that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> starting to come in as well, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's you know, so I, I found um, a thing where Lynch said that he thinks acting is a threat to the stability of the self. Fuck which, yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. That, and, that's, and, that's, and that's like a big theme of what I think is happening in this. You know, I mean, beyond just the acting of being in a relationship or something, like, how does someone play, you know, a psychotic serial killing pedophile, say, for six months oh, and yeah. then walk away from that not fucking damaged somehow? Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. when you hear about, like, all the research. Like, I know it's, I, I don't think it's actually true, but there was that big urban legend going around about Heath Ledger, you know. Oh, he died because he got too immersed in the Joker uh, role. Yeah. When, when he was well past doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think that that story is probably true in metaphor, not even necessarily about Heath, but just, like, I just, you see some roles where it's so fucked up what yeah. they're doing on screen. Not even physically, but just the the place they have to go. Yeah, they get they get uh, a little bit trapped with the character. They find that it takes a while to shake it off. But yeah. I mean, we've seen that just in stand up comedy. You know, you yeah. get you get you get boxed into the type that people think that you are, yeah. and all of a sudden you're behaving in ways in your off stage life that aren't even really you. Yeah, but they're you know like oh I'm the fucking angry guy, so I better get angry and that'll yeah. be funny. I just you know I mean maybe that's part of the training how to leave the whole thing behind yeah but i but i can't you know at the end of the day these people are still human and i don't think that it would be that easy to shake off when you're fully immersed in something yeah you remember, do you remember that sex scene in monster's ball yeah with halle Bell- berry yeah. and billy bob yeah i saw that movie what 15 years ago and i think about that once a week like right. what the fuck that yeah. is so intense it's yeah. so intense yeah you know and then to think that you're doing it on a live set surrounded by a crew and you're going to that place like either you take it home with you or that or you're a psychopath that has a switch in the back of your head that can just turn it off yeah and i think that that's what's going on in this film i think she's completely subsumed by the role and yes. she can't delineate between herself and the performance anymore you know it's actors it's uh, it, as i said it's all performers i know look i'm not going to mention any names on this story but i know someone who was on a uh, a reality performance show 
and thought that the person that they were working with was interested in them and it turned out they were not and uh, the person that I knew very matter-of-factly talked about they were so upset and so angry that when they had to do this thing that was really um, intimate right. in, in distance, uh, before she did it, she ate a whole onion. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and that's not even... Like, that's, yeah, that's fucking reality that's, TV. That's, that's, not, that's not Billy Bob and Halle Berry yeah. having to have their safe word. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know? yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Right? Do they actually have... I mean, did, is that true? They have to have a safe word? No, well, I don't know. But do you oh, know okay. what I mean? Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. this is someone just doing a poxy reality yeah, TV yeah, thing that yeah, lasted yeah. only a short amount of time. Yeah. And they're already going, I'm going to get back at this person who's rejected me because they're not into totally. me. So I'm going to eat... I'm going to go the full Tony Abbott and eat an <laughs> onion. It's like, it's insane. It's insane. Uh my, I feel like my favourite actors are the ones who are less successful and mostly live amongst real people. <laughs> and I feel that yeah, way yeah, about yeah. any entertainment professional. It's like, so, like, gone are the days where, like, Al Pacino was a massive star and he was like, I'm going to go and do theatre. And then, yeah, yeah. then he disappears. Yeah, and then he's yeah. like, oh, I'll come back and do movies now. And, you know, even, even if you try, if you're a big star and even if you try to go off and do other things, there's people jumping out and taking photos. Well, especially and, now. You're on social media, yeah. Especially now. I mean, did you see, did you see that footage of Tom Hanks wigging out uh, at some photographer? No. It's, I thought it was so cathartic. And, of course, it's the internet, so everyone had their own fucking take. Some people are like, he's a psycho. But he was being just followed down the street, him and his wife. Right. And it was that real American oppressive, like, right. fuck, man. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. I think I saw an interview with him where he said how nice it was being in Australia. Yeah. You know, people would just walk by and go, hey, Tom, and keep yeah. walking. Yeah. <laughs> no one really gives a shit. Yeah. I think, I think I've told you that uh, when Tarantino was in Melbourne for Inglorious Bastards, I just happened to be a few, like, maybe 100 metres behind <laughs> yeah. him. You know, when you're walking along and then suddenly someone yelled out, Quentin, and he just waved. <laughs> and then... Someone, someone else was like, "Hey, Quentin." He's like, "Hey, man." You yeah. know, and I, to be honest, it was, and we just happened to be going in uh, the same direction. So I got to watch that for quite a while, mm-hmm. and it is something that I always keep in mind, even when he does things that I find to be a bit gauche or you know, a bit full on. I still remember him being very pl- like nice to people who were stopping yeah, him. Yeah, hey. yeah. <laughs> but it would be, it would be easier to be nice in that context and yeah. not in that oppressive American context where it's like you know they're following you around, trying to goad you into a reaction so they can t- sell it to TMZ and yeah. just that you know again, it's just America. It's fucking insane. Yeah. So in the footage. Um, Tom Hanks is walking along with his wife and he's just kind of like eyes ahead trying to get to his car. Yeah. And one of them kind of trips and falls into his wife. It's an accident, but yeah. she she freaks out. Yeah. As you would. It's yeah. again, it's fucking America. You know, who yeah. knows if they're not lunging at you with something. Uh and Hanks just whips around and just goes, Back the fuck off. Yeah. And like loses it. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's Sorry, I can't even remember why we said No, that's been a no, but you know, it's it's the uh the, the lens on the people. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. You stuff. can't yeah, exactly. If, once you hit that level of celebrity, you can't function outside of yeah. this idea that people have of you. It's the Toby Maguire footage. I like, I'm not sure that I'm the biggest Toby Maguire fan, but he's in his car and there's so many cameras going off, he's literally saying to them, I can't see and I'm trying to turn onto the road and this is fucking dangerous. And it's yeah. but you know, you then then like we've talked about this before. 
not everyone is equipped to deal with any level of like stardom, whether it is the biggest actor in the world, the biggest musician in the world, or someone who's the most popular person in their small town. Yeah, like that's right. some people just can't deal with. They can do to a certain level, but if it goes that next step, that's when they become delusional. Mm, yeah. Uh, in in the final scene of this, we see Laura Haring, who played uh, Rita in Mulholland yes. Drive, and she shares a look with Nikki. Uh, and it's it, I I kind of interpreted that as uh, she was the previous woman defined by the way other people viewed her, and now they're both free, and she can sit with a man in friendship at the end in comfort. <laughs> and then. Um, Great. I think the monkey is a tacit reminder of where we came from. <laughs> That's what the monkey is. Like we're all just monkeys. And then, uh, um, and in my and I, I saw something about this later. And I, you know, there's in that final scene, there's the guy sawing the lumberjack. Wood. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon he's just doing his job, ignoring the distractions around him. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's how. I feel like that's how Lynch... My interpretation is that's how yeah. Lynch views what a man should be. Just get on with the job, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And occasionally, uh, you know, soaring to the beat. Yeah, soaring but- to the beat, yeah. But you don't, you know... <laughs> there, yeah, there might be all these hot women around. and But you know what? Don't ogle them. Just yeah. get on with your job, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Great. We're, and we're all monkeys. That final sequence is... <laughs> is unfucking hinged Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, what a way to end that movie with a big, you know, celebratory dance number. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's very cathartic. Like, yeah. That's what I said earlier. Yeah. Uh, this also feels like it sets the table for Twin Peaks The Return. Yes. In this movie, we get the story about the little girl who lived down the lane, which returns via Audrey Horn and the... Is it the disembodied shoulder? That's what it is, isn't it? Oh, the arm. The arm. Yeah. <laughs> the arm that turns into a tree with that, a blob of Play-Doh on top. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, you know what? <laughs> so much of Twin Peaks Season 3 does make sense now that we've watched 10 Lynch movies in a oh, row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I... I am I am thinking about doing just for my own. I've already started. Yeah, right. I'm back in. Oh, Mister. Oh, we don't <laughs> want to do Twin Peaks: The Return. As if I could do that. I'm halfway through season two. I'm going like the full full thing, uh, not just season right. three. Yep. How it's funny. great! You're very funny. So great. That's up there with. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to leave me out of the Black Panther <laughs> podcast? Still, fuck. Uh, that's been making me laugh a lot, a lot. Uh, <laughs> The other thing is we have uh, Grace Zabriskie, who was, of course, uh, Laura Palmer's mum, uh, mm. tells us the story to Nikki about the brutal fucking murder. Brutal uh, fucking murder. Uh, for forgetfulness and magic, which uh, feels kind of right coming from Laura's mum, doesn't it? Fuck yeah. 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 Uh, we should also discuss the picture quality for anyone who Oy, is thinking yeah, I might yeah. give this a go. Uh, Lynch used a video recorder to make this film and it must be one of the ugliest and most confronting films for that very decision. Yes. Uh, but I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were the same as me. After a while, you're totally immersed in oh, yeah. the world and uh, even... Even though things like the close-ups, which are mm. particularly confronting, yeah. but it's it's weird, isn't it? You just kind of. I think I love it. Yeah, like I actually think you know the the first time I watched it, about twenty minutes in, I was like uh, you know, trying to do that thing, imagining in my mind's eye of what this would look like, shot yeah. on celluloid, and oh, would it be beautiful and everything? But I know I know so much of this movie was just ad libbed and and improvised on the spot. I mean, so that, that's why it's such a miracle that it comes together, but. The form of it 100% suits the story being told. Yes. Like, I don't know. Like, I know that he's remastered it and I've seen um, yeah, clips of it. Yeah, I've got some stuff it. for that. Yeah, like there's clips of it that, and it, you know, it's, it still looks janky, but yeah. it's a lot clearer. 
I don't know. I kind of I I I like it. Yeah, it, I really like it. Well, it's it's bizarre. It, getting back to that dreamlike quality, it, it makes it because I often feel when you're in a dream, it's pretty clear, and it's mm. when you're coming out of the dream that it gets that. Yeah, like you're you're coming up through water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visual noise everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the opening scene with the camera projecting into the dark heralds the beginning of the movie and illuminates the shadows. The gramophone tells us about the longest-running radio play in history, Axon N, which suggests a story as old as time itself. We see the blurred faces of an unpleasant encounter, and eventually that woman's face, known as the Lost Girl, comes into focus. Mm. Then the Lost Girl watches the show about the anthropomorphic rabbits who speak in non-sequiturs. Explain. <laughs> I- well, I think this might be a good time to kind of go over the the the, the interpretation of what is actually going on in this movie. Yeah, uh, which kind of is more of a beat for beat interpretation of it. But I, I I like it. So should we do that? So do you want me to go? Well, well because I, no, but everyone doesn't know the the synopsis one. So do you want me to read that out now? Well, because then we'll be yeah yeah sure yeah yeah because they're two. They're two different things. Yeah, so, if yeah. we're not going to work off mine, we'll have to work off... No, we can work off yours as well. No, 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 I know, but the audience doesn't know this bit. Oh, all right, all right. Okay, no, no. Continue and we'll, 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 do, we'll, we'll do the other one as it comes up. Okay. I was going to leave that plot synopsis at the end as a contrast. Great. Yeah, yep, perfect. So, uh, the way I was looking at that is uh, this is helping us descend into the unpleasantness of everyday society. Uh, I think the we've talked about this, but I think the rabbits represent the banality of entertainment once you strip them of the razzle-dazzle of jokes and entertainment. Mm. At their core, it is the same shit over and over. Also, the longest-running radio show, uh, I took it to be representative of everything in the world just repeating itself over time. Like, yeah. women keep getting treated like shit. Yeah. We keep putting people in boxes. We yeah. keep ignoring people Spearing who need the help. same entertainment over yeah. and over. Yeah, but, yeah. But, just, but just people in general. Yeah. Like, regardless of the entertainment. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's the longest-running radio play of all time. <laughs> but it's funny just to even read out. This is what happens at the start. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, the, the, the opening credits is terrifying. There's some kind of sound design that goes yeah. on when the title comes. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's really uh, from the from the first second that this began, you are put in a state of real unsettled terror. Yeah. Again, it's not dissimilar to a lot of places we've been in other movies, but this is the most sustained. Yeah. This is like the scene of Bob crawling towards the camera, but for three hours. For three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's funny that you mentioned Nameless because it uh, the the audio, this is weird because I'm relating it to a comic, mm. but the that droning sound in particular kind of reminded me of the Outer Church and the Invisibles and yeah. the, that sense of everything just kind of grinding yeah. against each other. Yeah, wet gears. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, one of the parts of this movie that I find the most interesting is that it isn't just about men treating women poorly, but also about how women can be bad in their own way to each other as well. Uh, the Polish woman who pretends to the neighbour who appears to send Nikki on her way into some sort of spiral is, yeah. you know, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. something very aggressive about her. Well, there's well, like a Bubba Yeager kind of um, yes, vibe to her. Yes, You know, Eastern European witch... Who yeah. seems to be laying down some kind of curse? Yes, because she says, uh, you know, the, the 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 legend or the or the folk tale that I want to tell you. It's about the the girl who 
goes to the market yeah. and gets lost behind the alley. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Is, is she the woman growing up? Is she the little girl growing up? Passing on the curse? Yeah, th- th- that's what I think is going on. Yeah. I think that there's I think there's I think that the the curse is something that runs through this, you know, and that's when, when we go back in time to the early night the early twentieth century where we go yeah. to Poland with the horses and the carriages and stuff. Yeah. I think this is a curse that's again you know, going to that theme of um, repetition and the longer story, the longest radio play. Uh, this is something that keeps going on and on. But when she, but it's a very specific phrase, you know, the girl that goes behind the marketplace and I can't remember, into the alley. Yeah. And that is what happens just before Laura Dern's character crosses yeah. over into uh, the life of Sue. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, now now the curse is uh, attached to her and mm. she's lost as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, it's also interesting the way none of the women help Nikki after she's been stabbed by another woman at the end. Like everyone yeah. just kind of freaks out, freaks out and watches. Uh, also, do you think that do you think those women are her? All of them, yeah. I think that they're part. Oh, I think okay. that they're splintered parts of her consciousness. Oh, okay. It's like the Greek, the internal Greek chorus, the caucus inside your own head. Right. I did think about the the Greek caucus, uh, Greek chorus side yeah. of it, but I hadn't thought. Oh, yeah, I could. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. So then, the woman who stabs her is also her as well. Yeah. Or or like the, the id or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, but I think the woman that stabs her is a separate. Entity from the other because the, there, there's that 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 group of prostitutes yep. that are hanging out at her apartment that dance the locomotion <laughs> yeah um, yeah I, I think that's all her right and then I think the woman that stabs her is the uh, reincarnation of part of the curse right right uh, that goes part back, of the phantom part of the phantom yeah the 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 the, the, the scorned wife yeah uh, from that's, that continually is reincarnated throughout different iterations yeah. starting in early 20th century Poland. Right. This sounds so insane. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's, uh, well, it is. But it's but it's also, it's weirdly, there is a coherence to it. There is a coherence. Just, yeah. Because there's motifs that keep yeah. popping up and that's what you've got to hold on. That's what I really held on to the second time. Screwdriver. Yeah. Green jacket. Yeah. The phantom. Yeah. You know, these are things that keep popping up. Maybe um, maybe the street wor- walkers, are, street workers. I don't know what the correct term these days is, but um, maybe they are also. Maybe they're not just parts of a psyche. Maybe they're previous characters she's yeah. performed. You know. Oh, absolutely! The, yeah, 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 absolutely. So she, because she seems to be a successful actor who's, you know, yeah, at a certain point in her career. Uh, also, the two homeless women who talk about themselves as Nikki dies. <laughs> Fucking crazy! <laughs> don't worry, baby. You're just dying. Yeah, and then so. <laughs> Then suddenly it's like she's dying there and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to catch this bus. And, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very funny. Uh, I think it's also just, uh, you know, we once again, this is something we have talked about in previous podcasts. But, uh, you know, from running rooms, I was always – some of the nastiest comments I've ever heard have been women about uh, female comedians. Oh, and yeah. uh once again, just to reiterate why I believe that happens, it's the lack of representation. So uh, there's there's less, you know, especially in the past, there's less female comedians. So therefore, it's more important that they represent each person. Whereas you and I see a shit male comedian, we're mm. fine. There'll be another 30 to fucking stand up and we're not going to take it personally. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 sure. You know, so like, you know, maybe if we were performing in... 
Budapest and there were two Australian comedians on and one, you know, we were on probably. second and the Australian comedian got on and was shit. We'd be like, ah, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, no, probably. Absolutely. <clears throat> so I think it kind of breaks down to that. Yeah, right. Um, and then it's also, <clears throat> pardon me, yeah, there's yeah. the systematic uh, reinforcement of the ways men view women that seeps into their own language and approach as well. I think that's something that is easy to be uh you know like i've heard i've heard women who would uh think of themselves as feminists uh. and would would say that very much so and very much are call other women sluts <laughs> yeah. and you go what yeah 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 so um and i think that's uh, i think that comes from language being all around you and in fact so it just comes from being fucking human right like you know no one is <laughs> we all have these labels that we you know like to live by and 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 modes of thinking and stuff but at the end of the day we still have a kind of meat computer that's much more primal than it is modern and so it is easy to default into uh modes of thought that you know consciously you don't necessarily abide by or agree with yes but i would also say i'm not racist and i don't go around being racist to people that's true <clears throat> but i understand what you're saying yeah, yeah but it, it, I, I guess it's when yes like i ostensibly agree with you but i just also just find it hilarious i'm a feminist i've yeah, read yeah, all yeah. this literature i've done all of this i've done all of that i hate the way women are treated blah 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 what do you think of sally she's a slut what <laughs> how did that happen Quite like Sally, <laughs> whoever Sally is. Uh, when Nikki gets the role and has her first rehearsals, we see both the ways the patriarchy views the typical cliche with the role. She's told not to sleep with her leading man, and he's told not to sleep with Nikki. One is a warning, another is a good old boy nudge nudge warning. Uh, Justin Theroux in these last two movies, I feel like he is the hyper masculine realization of the type of man that Karl McLaughlin used to represent in his uh. earlier films. Yeah. I'd like to see him. Um, his his approach to all his leading men has been fascinating, and I'd love to see what he would do with Thoreau now, who's kind of at a slightly different stage, or he's definitely in a different stage of his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. Because I just like I, I find it really interesting the way he uses him, or what he'd do with a a younger uh, actor that's kind of coming up now, that's of a different um, generation of acting. You know, like yep. a, like a Pattinson or yep. even a Harry Styles. Like what kind of what would he? Yep, you Chalamet. Know? You know, yeah. all of those uh, young yeah. fellas. Pattinson would be fucking interesting. Awesome. Oh man, can we just comment that um, Justin Thoreau's manager is Cameron Datto? Oh yeah, well, I was going to mention that. Yeah, I was really excited when Cameron Dado turned up. This is uh, getting ahead of it, but I. So years ago, when I t towards the end of my time in Melbourne, I was just bummed out and I was just not doing anything. And I would sit at home and I used to have, um, I think it was Music Max on TV, and I used to watch. Uh, uh, that's when I was really getting into yacht rock, mm. and um, Cameron Dado used to host yeah. the show and I, I would sit there and uh, there were two camera angles and there was one where he's looking directly down the camera and then the camera angle would change and he would be it would be shooting him from the side so and it just used to make me laugh and I'd sit there and he'd be like hello welcome to the weekend it's gonna be a good time we're gonna be playing a lot of songs that you really love so why don't you put your feet up get yourself a glass of wine and then the camera angle would change and he'd just keep talking in that same mellifluous <laughs> tone and then every time the camera angle would change i would be on the lounge going cameron i'm here mate cameron 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 
Cameron, and then he'd turn back and then I'd be quiet. <laughs> and it was something that made me laugh all the time. And then for ages I wanted to do a show called Hamo Has Daddo Issues. <laughs> anyway, I was going to finish with Cameron Daddo as a voiceover telling me uh, how to uh, transcend life. <laughs> it's, the, it's the one time that Cameron Daddo's, uh, shall we say, limited range actually served him well. Oh, he's, he's really the perfect, good. He's the perfect Lynch actor. Oh, like... <laughs> I wish there was more Dado. This is what the film lacks. It, 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 I would love to have seen more Dado. He's, I, I was wrapped when he turned up. I was like, well, this is a treat I wasn't expecting. There's another treat in the film as well, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till we get to the squid bits. Uh, early in rehearsals, we discover that the film is a remake of a movie that was never made and both leads were murdered. This now leads to the idea that, that the film is cursed and soon after this revelation, Nikki becomes lost in the role. She has trouble discerning what is real and what is the film. She eventually becomes unstuck in time and discovers she's the noise they hear at the studio earlier in rehearsals. Mm. Nikki escapes into the home of a character called Smithy. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know about you. I love moments like this in mm. a film. I love it. Mm. Like this is... Mm. This is McConaughey being the the ghost. You know, this is yeah. all I love stuff where it all comes in. Ah, like, yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. It's also there's a there's a there's a little bit of like uh, dark parallel reality Wizard of Oz stuff going on. Oh you yeah, know? which is through everything, through everything. But yeah. you know, instead of exiting the house into Oz, she enters the house into this different life. Yeah, you know, and yeah. everything's different. A taste of Lost Highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Uh, this movie is a distillation of all his interests, yes. isn't it? Into, yeah, 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 yeah. Into this <laughs> nightmarish film. Uh, it's, it's funny you say that. Do you think that this is a movie that someone who wasn't kind of steeped in Lynch lore and a fan could enjoy? I like sure, but you. I, I think you'd like you'd have to be open. Do you know sure. what I mean? Like you'd have to be up for the experience. And <laughs> imagine this was the first Lynch you ever saw. Oh, I've heard about this David Lynch. <laughs> I've heard that he do, does these great movies. Uh, I'll just check out Inland Empire. Oh god! Oh my god! Excuse me. I'm just going to throw myself off the balcony. <laughs> then I'll come back and I'll discuss what I think happened. And uh, Nikki finds her husband and hides from him in a closet. Piotrick is an. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
aggressive man who is suspicious of Nikki. Luckily, Nikki encounters a troop of street workers who tell her to burn a cigarette hole through silk and then to look through that hole. That's a magic thing, isn't it? Uh, is that a... Yeah, it's actually the uh, the lost girl that tells her to do that. The lost girl. Yes, sorry. It the is lost too. girl uh, talks through kind of some kind of shimmer in reality. Yes. And tells her how to, how to see what's really going on. Yes. Which, you know... <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as I said, writing writing notes for this is a fucking was hard work. Yeah, yeah. You, it was like, um, what's that meme with the the wall with the strings and the and the arrows pointing oh, yeah, at the guy yeah, yeah, looking yeah. insane? That was me trying to put this together. Uh, Nikki sees one of the film's characters, Doris Side, great name, tell a policeman that she has been hypnotized by someone called the Phantom to murder someone with a screwdriver. Uh, but she finds it stuck in her side. Yes. Uh, and I think this kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier and is representative of women being shaped by a male-run society to do their worst to other women. But in turn, she ends up hurting herself. Herself, right, yes. Anyway, once again... No, 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 it's great. I feel like that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the street walk has come across as a cross between the fates and the representatives of the types of women who have been left to look out for themselves. Mm -hmm. But also parts of her personality, like I like that. Yeah, yeah, interpretation yeah. too. Um, well, she's always she's always very silent around them. Yes, they're always doing the talking for her. Yeah, and she's kind of observing, like she's you know listening to her own thoughts. Yeah, uh, they're also connected by the story in, in the 1930s in Lodz, Poland, where uh, street uh, workers are beaten by pimps and murder hangs in the air. And this is the curse the neighbour utters at the start of the movie, that the oldest profession known as society has always been haunted uh, by aggressive behaviour uh, from men. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 and at this point, we'd all like to take a cigarette. Uh-huh. Uh, Nikki joins uh, the street workers but becomes Sue where she confesses to a sweaty, untrustworthy policeman at a nightclub that she was abused in her childhood. She also talks about her husband, Smithy, who has connections to the underworld, a weak, useless man who can't kick out the people she doesn't want at her party. And I think the useless way he looks at her with the sauce all over his shirt and wondering where the napkins are, even though they're right in front of him, represents the crime of weak men who can't stand up for women. (laughs) That was my deep dive interpretation of that. Mate, you got blood on your hands, mate. Get a napkin. Smithy is the wife, the husband of Sue... The yes. film character. Yes. And Piotrick is the husband of... Uh, what's the... Sorry, what's Laura Dern's non... What, what's the alternate Laura Dern? Not Hang on. So, so, Sue. No, Sue's the character within the movie. And is he... And that, and Smithy is... Isn't, isn't Piotrick also the husband of Sue? And Smithy is the husband of the lost girl? No. Smithy's the husband of... Smithy's the husband of Sue. Yeah. And Piotrick is the husband of, uh, what's her name? The, the the actress that Laura Dern's playing. Oh, yeah. Right. Nikki. Nikki. Sorry. Nikki. So Piotrick Sorry, is, yes. Piotrick yes, is yes. Nikki's husband and Smithy <laughs> is Sue's husband. Yes. Yeah. And then later yeah. on, Smithy slash, I don't know if that even is Smithy at the end that reunites yeah. the lost girl. Right. I think because this is the, this is the guy that's been kind of... Uh, part of the curse that's been reincarnated over and over and over again to play the role of this abusive husband who has got a partner who's cheating on him and he can't deal with it and on and on and on. So, yeah. yeah. So, I think the the guy with the sauce all over him is 
Smithy, who is a character within the film yeah. that Nikki has now merged with. Merged with, right. And also, <sighs> just get a na- napkin, mate. Get the napkin. The, it's such a funny look. <laughs> like, the look on his face while he is covered in sauce and it's literally, like, 90 degrees away from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also within that scene, uh, playing into the themes that you've been talking <laughs> about, that moment where she looks at the two women and says, you know, look at me and say that you see me. Yeah, like, yeah. Nah. Nah. We don't see you. They don't. Not yeah. at all. Uh, on the street, Nikki and Sue are lost within each other, wandering the street with a screwdriver to protect herself. Uh, once again, when she when she sees that guy and she's, you know, you know, at any point you can be confronted with mm. that uh, aggressive maleness. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, her streetwalker friends watch but offer little help. Life is tough enough as it is. Uh, then Doris, who was hypnotised by the Phantom, takes Nikki slash Sue's weapon, kills her, leaving her to wander to her death. She finds the street people who talk about catching buses and another street worker who could wear a wig and walk through the rich district without drawing attention. That's mm, interesting. Mm, mm, mm. And then the director yells cut and we discover this is a scene from the film being made. Yep. So once again, women pain is brushed over as entertainment and everyone moves on to the next scene the moment Doris attacks her with her own weapon feeds into my interpretation that when women lash out against women in punitive ways it can not only be the result of shaped by male dominated society but it also hurts both parties yes 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 yes. also throughout that sequence she's haunting herself Yes. You know, there's, it's she, there, there's a doppelganger of herself across the street that's yes. constantly smiling really uh, in a very sinister way at herself. Yeah, and barely hiding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always there. Yeah. Always kind of letting them know they're there. Yeah. Uh, and then the end of this film is... Uh, so Nikki has finished her performance in the movie and wanders away dazed by the experience, which I think is once again talking about mm. Lynch's... Getting lost in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she but wonders- also the trouble of walking away from, you know, the production's over. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, you know, they're all like, yay, good job. And she's just like, man, I just, you know. Yeah, I gave I it just all. got subsumed in this role and I can't just snap out of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking ruined. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Jeremy Irons in this. He's so funny. He's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's so great. And also, for you know, for a big time actor to allow himself to be filmed on video where yeah. it shows all of the imperfections, yeah. like this, that for all of the actors, yeah. you know, it's it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. As she wanders into a cinema and watches the film, and then the events that are occurring in her life in the projection room, she finds the apartment building marked Axon N and discovers the Phantom. Mm-hmm. She shoots him, and he transforms into a deformed version of Nikki before dying. Is that top three scariest kind of grossest moments? That in shot film? of her with the big eyes and the yeah. mouth, and it like it only lasts for about two seconds max. Yeah, it is. I physically yelled when that happened. It was yeah. awful. Yeah, it was fucking awful. That that stuck with me. And then his weird bl- translucent balloon head vomiting blood with black eyes. <laughs> like, what is fucking like? Fuck off, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anytime since uh, since she mentioned it on uh, on the Patreon site, anytime we talk about this now, I immediately picture author Sarah Bennett in the UK. You know how she'll write to us and say. <laughs> Thanks for the podcast. That's another movie I won't be watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so when we get to these bits, Sarah's the person that I'm picturing all the time now. 
You should go there, Sarah. It's yeah, uh, it's a hell of a journey. No, no, no. I've I've chatted to. Uh, so the podcast with Sarah would have gone up by now, but I've just recorded it. All oh, right. It's a good thing that she doesn't. She's very happy not seeing those movies. Okay. She's a very nice person who does not need this in her life. <laughs> <laughs> um, she uh, so she shoots him and he transforms into a deformed version of Nikki before dying. Nikki flees into room forty-seven with the TV rabbit sleeve, but she doesn't notice them. Uh, is that kind of a they're gone, right? Yeah, does it, the door opens and they're kind of looking out, and then she goes in and they're not there, and it's like she's kind of moved past it, yeah, maybe yeah, as a metaphor, yeah, sure, sure. move past this kind of entertainment. She meets the lost girl, they kiss, everything disappears, and the lost girl finds her way out of the hotel and back to her husband and son. Yeah. Nikki, back at home, smiles at the Polish woman, finds a one-legged woman that Sue had mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Nico, the streetwalker and a monkey, which leads to all the women dancing to Nina Simone's cover of Cinnamon. And it ends. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah, right? So I think this gets back to acting being something that David Lynch is sceptical about, how it can cause damage to the actor's soul. When she finally leaves the role, she can't escape it. And she's back in the cinema. Mm. There she is also trapped in the oldest story of all time, the, long, the longest-running radio play, Axon N, yeah. the aggression towards women. It is only here, after everything she has learned, that she can destroy the fandom. Mm. Nikki has been on a path of enlightenment. Mm. She's able to then pass by the rabbits who represent how mundane traditional stories are and frees the lost girl to make her own decisions. In the end, Nikki has transcended the curse, not just for herself, but all the women around her. And I saw the ending as a triumph. Mm -hmm. That this film was distributed independently on video is also a statement. Lynch has created art free of Hollywood and Laura Dern's Nikki represents what he's moving towards throughout throughout his career, Mm. which then paves the way for Twin Peaks to return to be his ultimate storytelling a mm-hmm. statement on t- TV and yep. storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything like have like <laughs> I'm like I'm reluctant to say have I missed anything because I'm sure I've missed everything. But that was just kind of where I ended. No, up. no. I lo- I love that interpretation. I love that interpretation because the one that I've glommed on to is definitely more beat for beat literal. Right. Yeah. Uh, and. I feel though that this is a movie that I will watch many, many, many yes. more times. Like, it's very... I can't remember the last time I watched a three-hour, ugly, terrifying movie yeah. <laughs> two days apart. Yeah. And I really thought the second time... The second time was really like... As I was putting the disc on, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, I didn't want to do it, but I knew yeah. I, it was like, I have to, because yeah. I don't know how I'm going to talk about this otherwise. Yeah. And I was drawn back in immediately. And it just... Went it, quicker. It, yeah, it went quicker. Yeah. And it feels to have infinite riches, this one. Yeah. Um, so I actually can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. I, I had exactly the same thing. Yeah. I've got to rewatch this. And even though I enjoyed that uh, that last viewing, it's like, oh, okay. But then it was just like, you, you're kind of letting the... You're kind of letting the images come to you yeah. rather than you go to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, but also, and also, I do think that there is merit to just letting it wash over without even trying to, yeah, have an interpretation at all, yeah, and just literally treat it like a dream or a nightmare where it is just moments and images and how does it all make you feel? I mean, I think that's why I definitely enjoyed it more the first time because it washed over me that way, where yeah. I was, you know, being wrenched from one thing to the other, and twenty minutes in wasn't even trying to figure out what was going on it was just uh, no. yeah most of the work I did on this came 
well after the yeah. viewing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so I deliberately, as I said, when I'm trying to put things together, I deliberately try to avoid anything so... Yeah, it's fresh. Yeah, and then uh, and then I was like, after I'd finished the script, and then I saw this, and I thought, oh, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so feel free to jump in at any point. Yeah. In so this is the synopsis for for you, which is uh, from the inland slash uh, uh, sorry inland empire dot fandom dot com, and you can get into the wiki there, and you can read lots of uh, David Lynch stuff, which is really great. But um, this is their synopsis. In late 19th or early 20th century Poland, a woman known only as the lost girl cheated on her controlling, physically abusive husband, credited only as the Phantom. Her lover was also married, and his wife jealously murdered him with a screwdriver, then killed herself. The Phantom either created a curse or more likely commandeered an existing curse found in an old gypsy folktale to punish his cheating wife and take his misery out on the world. The lost girl was imprisoned in limbo, depicted as a hotel room, forced to watch the suffering her infidelity had caused on TV. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great, it's great. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, her lover was forced by the Phantom to be continually reincarnated and to relive the story from the Phantom's perspective as the portrayed husband. It seems that the story then played out several times over the following century in various permeations, never quite the same way, but always stemming from infidelity and ending in tragic murder. The other participants were drawn into their cursed roles, often because they were cast in some version of the story. The radio show, Axon N, appears to have put on some version of the story and is associated with the curse, and a feature film based on the old folk tale was abandoned when both leads were murdered mm. so so far like like i feel like my emotional yeah. reading of it is still glomming on to the oh 100 percent. Yeah. i mean but as we said earlier in the conversation it's like th- this synopsis that you're reading out now is like the skeletal structure of what is actually happening yes you know Ah, uh, and I do think beat for beat it tracks. Yeah, it really tracks. Yeah. Uh, in two thousand five, a film called On High and Blue Tomorrows is being filmed. It is based on the curse story. However, no one but the production, but the producers, is initially aware of this fact. Nikki Grace, a Hollywood actress, plays the lost girl role. Her character, Susan Blue, is a married woman who has an affair with Billy Side, a married man. Nikki is married to. Piotric Kroll, the latest incarnation of the trapped husband. After years of reliving this scenario, he is cold and controlling. He seemingly realises that the film role will be deadly for Nikki, but does not attempt to stop her from taking it. As the filming progresses, Nikki toys with the idea of having an affair with her co-star, Devin Burke. <laughs> Burke. Devin Burke. And eventually becomes completely trapped in the world of the film due to the curse. I wonder if this is based on, like, you know how... Um, what was it? Was it Mulholland Drive that was inspired by the O.J. Simpson? No, it was Lost Highway. Lost, Lost Highway. Highway. Was, yeah. I wonder, <laughs> like, this is a wild swing, what I'm about to say, but I wonder if he was inspired by uh, Jennifer Aniston letting Brad Pitt go off to make a movie <laughs> with um, uh, Angeline Jolie. Oh, is that what happened? Is that how they <laughs> Well, they up? were together and then they went and made Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And who like who knows in the real world, maybe they'd kind yeah, of split yeah, yeah, already. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm only going by the gossip yeah, right. rags version of it. But um <laughs> but I can imagine him saying I just read an interesting article and now I'm gonna make a three hour movie that's gonna <laughs> blow your minds. <laughs> 
In this portion of the film, she now is Susan Blue, a hard woman married to an angry, abusive man. Again, the trapped husband now known as Smithy. Smithy. I don't know why I have to say it that way all the time. By this point, Sue's affair with Billy appears to have ended. Sue, depressed and despondent, befriends the Valley Girls, a group of supernatural beings who may symbolise her shattered consciousness. There you go. At one point, they all speak about one man they have been with causing Sue to cry. They are likely speaking about Billy. Alternately, they may actually exist as they act as Sue's guide and catching glimpses of the lost girl and the Phantom's backstory and in learning about the curse. In the background of the film are supernatural beings who are trying to stop the fandom, end the curse, and free the lost girl. They are frequently depicted as the rabbits, mm. who manifest as other characters throughout the film, often appearing to be the phantom's allies, but actually manipulating him towards his demise. The horse was taken to the well is a recurring mantra for these mm-hmm, characters. Mm-hmm, yep. Smithy leaves home and goes to Poland, touring in a circus with the phantom for a while. <laughs> I didn't even like, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, we no. didn't even talk about that, and I'm like, fuck, where did that go? missing in all my notes because I did write notes on that but anyway it is true that the rabbit because the rabbits also remember they live in room 97 yes which is the original title of On High and Blue Tomorrow yes yeah right so it's like they're within the curse yeah Acting as some kind of, you know, guiding light trying to help out trying to help out trying to break this cycle yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, also, uh, Smithy leaves home, goes to Poland, tours in a circus with the Phantom for a while, presumably hoping to defeat him. Ultimately, the Phantom disappears and Smithy hunts him with the help of the rabbits and their allies. A Polish man, seen to be a manifestation of Jack Rabbit, gives Smithy a gun which can be used to kill the mm. Phantom. Sue seems to spiral into insanity and depression, ultimately ending up as a prostitute on Hollywood Boulevard along with the Valley Girls. Billy's wife, Doris, jealous and hypnotised by the Phantom, is drawn into the curse and murders Sue on the street. Sue dies, allowing her to be reborn as Nikki back on the film set. That's a beautiful, interp- uh, you know, way of looking at that. Mm. That's great. Mm. Uh, Nikki does not speak a word for the rest of the film, seeming stunned and traumatised. However, she has learned what she needs to do. She moves into another dimension, which seems to be a nexus where various realities meet. Entering Sue's bedroom, Nikki finds the phantom killing gun that Smithy was given. The phantom stalks Nikki. However, Nikki kills him, freeing the lost girl and allowing her to reunite in happiness with her lover, both finally freed from the curse. Uh, I I think I kind of came to this uh, positive... uh, breakdown on it after that real deep dive it did and all the uh, Twin Peaks stuff, yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. made me... Because I was like you with Twin Peaks The Return. I kind of thought that was a really whew, bleak yeah. ending. But now I, I have this different view on it and, mm. I, and I feel like it's... A, once again, it feels like this is a blueprint really, isn't it? Yeah, well, it also leans into Lynch's, you know, perspective on life and everything. You know, you see yeah. interviews with him where... You know, I think it was Commode's interview with him where he says, you know, you, you seem like a really sweet, loving guy. Yeah. And all your movies are so fucked up. Um, you know, and Lynch's perspective is that you kind of, you know, for, for his perspective is anyway, that you need to lean into this darkness that exists. Yeah. You know, to, to, to deny it exists is to kind of, you know, it's that old Grant Morrison thing, you know, that you, you got to fuck your demons. Yeah. You know, you got to make friends with them. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll mess you up in ways. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately they're not nihilistic visions. I think no. that they are visions of um, profound positivity. Yeah. That if you can kind of, you know, move through these spaces with bravery yeah. and courage, you know, you come out the other side genuinely free. Yes. 
genuinely yeah. liberated. Well, that's why all the all these visions have to be nightmarish because yes. otherwise, it's so. One of the things, and I genuinely am only going to refer to this one movie because I do not want to talk about anything else. <laughs> but I reckon that's the fatal flaw in Jojo Rabbit, mm. which is that mm-hmm. the kid's quite nice from mm. the start. He's just brainwashed by Hitler. Yeah. But if he was a shit yeah. brainwashed by Hitler and then he came out the other side, I think then I would have had a... yeah. Like, I know it's a comedy and everything, but I, I feel like, for me, that's why that movie didn't work because, you know, yeah. he's it's it's just like, like it could have just been a story about a kid who liked uh, a, a football player and then he found out that football player was a shit heel. It's true. You it's know? It's true. Yeah, I think if you're going to go, if you're going to explore the realms of darkness, you really need to go there. And, you know, this is, this is storytelling that goes way, way back, you know. I mean... Uh, something as old as Dante's Inferno. Ooh. You know, it wouldn't be as effective if hell was, you know... Quite oh, nice. Just, yeah, or, you know, just a little bit scary. It's yeah. got to be the most... It's fucking awful. Yeah. I mean, it's literally that that portion of, of hell, yeah. Inferno, it's whatever it is, 500 pages of yeah. the most horrific shit you've ever read in your life. Yeah. You know, I always come back to <laughs> my favourite book, Blood Meridian. You know, yeah. it's a vision of utter chaos, carnage and hell. Yep. Um, if you're going to go to those places, it's a disservice to the reality of those of those realms and those experiences that people have to to water them down. Yeah. To, you know... And 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 not to not to delve too deep into our, our Thor discussion, but that is really at the heart of my issue with yeah. that movie. You know, yeah. don't evoke stage four cancer if you're not going to go there, man. Yeah, don't go don't go there if you're not going to fucking go there. Yeah, go there properly, go like there really properly. commit. Do yeah. it. Yeah, and I think his movies do commit, and then and yeah. but I think they commit to such an extent, and in a way that you know, shit's been watered down. Like I was talking to, <laughs> I was having a conversation with mum the other day and I, it's, um, th- these happen, these are happening more frequently where I have to fucking concede that she was right. But um, <laughs> it's so funny. But, you know, we were talking about, like she was asking me, uh, oh, what's gone wrong with the, uh, with all of this stuff that you used to love? What's gone wrong with it? And, and you know, we touched on this before. It was uh, once upon a time, the people who were making, who were working in the realm of low art, mm. were inspired by high art. You yeah, know, they were inspired right. by Virginia Woolf or, right. or or Shakespeare, or you know, and they were bringing all these great yep. uh, literary influences, or they were listening to Beethoven, or they oh, were listening to absolutely, you know, and then and those things were influenced by. The great tales of old, you know, right. it's literally greatness influencing greatness influencing greatness. Right. And then, but now you've got <laughs> people who, like, I think, like, when I look at, um, like, I've always liked big ideas and lots of ideas in a comic book. But, and you could say that the current uh, writers do that, hmm. but it's... It's inspired by the Morrisons and the Moors and the Gaimans and the Milligans and the mm. and it's and the Claremonts and, yeah. and people like that and it's like oh no 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 you like you should be influenced by that but are you like maybe I'm doing them a disservice but are you reading the classics and oh, by the way in saying that it's a uh, it's inspiring for me to go and make sure that I do 
engage mm. with the classics myself, mm. you know. Mm. So I'm not, e- even though I'm being negative towards these things, it's a reminder, well, you know, if you want to have this opinion, you better make sure that you oh, yeah. dig into things oh, as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, it's it's probably harder than it's ever been because, you know, we, we lack the... Uh, the eyes and the and the brains to kind of comprehend a lot of this stuff. I mean, I, I I've told you how it took me nearly a year to read Paradise Lost. Yeah, it was impenetrable. Yeah, and then, until it wasn't. Yeah, and then suddenly it was like, oh, I'm yeah, I, I can read this. Yeah, you know. But my God, to get into it was hard, Ooh. and it really took a level of commitment that I'm not. And this isn't me going. Oh, I'm better than everyone. I'm not. No, no, all. no, no. It's but the feel- opposite. It's you saying I had to make. I, I couldn't just pick it up. I couldn't just pick it up. Yeah. But I feel like someone whose, you know, brain has been splintered into a thousand bits by TikTok and Instagram and all the rest. Yeah. They're not getting a page into Paradise Lost and going, oh, this is really fucking impenetrable and hard. I'm going to persevere. They're going to go, fuck it. I'll just watch fucking Thor Ragnarok again. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> and I, and I, I think that's where the misinterpretation of Lynch comes in, yeah. where he does give us these horrific and and startling images and thoughts and sounds but mm. uh invariably it's all moving towards a sense of peace and a sense of enlightenment which we've noticed in all of yeah 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 and that's about uh, and and that's why you know I do encourage people to engage with stuff that make them makes them uncomfortable it's not because I'm some kind of you know sadist going yeah it feels yeah. good to feel shit yeah uh the, the 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 project isn't to feel like shit. The project is to come out the other side. You know, I don't read Blood Meridian once a year because I love reading about people getting scalped and murdered. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> it's about getting to the other side of it. Yeah. And having a sense of gratitude to live in a time when that's not happening or to... Uh, to revel in the poetry that uh, uh, of incredible writing that can depict these things and yet still leave you with a feeling that you've you know uh, read true literature like yeah. there's so much more to it than you know I think that's what people uh, miss when they kind of just lump stuff into it made me feel good or it made me feel bad yes it's 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 got to be more than that and yeah. and also is feeling good all the time necessarily good for you yeah I don't think it's I don't think I don't think it's psychologically a great place to be to always kind of have this kind of uh, this kind of sated you know that, that's the great criticism of in, in Brave New World Soma yeah is it is it is it is that life to yeah. just to feel pleasant all the time because if you feel pleasant all the time then it's just this grey miasmic kind of nothing you yeah. just kind of sedated you know that's uh, that's where the the tragedy of art becoming entertainment Oh, absolutely. Uh, lies, you know, and, uh, you know, people aren't going to, <laughs> like, the amount of people that look at me as if I'm insane when I said, oh, I had a really stressful week at the chase. So, uh, to relax, I went and saw Drive My Car, a three-hour Japanese film about grief. That makes and sense to me. It was great. And yeah. I felt so relieved at the end of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But, I, you know, again, I, you know, and this, this, this links to criticisms I've made of the phones and everything, I think that's a huge part of it as well, you know, yeah. this inability to sit with something. Yeah. You know, you either have to react to it, take a photo of it, Whatever it is, it, it is the, the the immediate reaction is to somehow disengage yourself from it rather than get totally lost in it. Yeah, and I think the art, and, and I and I really resist calling it art, but whatever the content that's being made these days, I think is 
designed to feed that need for instantaneous reaction now. And so it's not about uh, sitting with something and fully immersing in it and thinking about it. It's about logging on to Twitter or whatever the second it finishes and, you know, or onto YouTube and watching the breakdown video and the 400 Easter eggs you missed and everything. It's it's not actually about the art anymore. It's about, it's about everything around the art. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I, I have that compulsion as well. I'm not saying I'm immune from it. No, no, no. When Inland Empire ended, my first reaction uh, was was to go on to I didn't no I, like but I I recognize that you know what I mean it was yeah. like oh well what did it mean it's yeah. like fucking you can do that tomorrow I you put on an it. album yeah I, in the end I just sat there in the darkness going oh Jesus <laughs> right. yeah. Christ but yeah. um you know like I get it but um I I fear that we are definitely losing that as a culture yeah the ability to sit with something. Uh, or the ability to just um, experience a spectrum of emotion. Yeah. You know, my favorite movie of the last probably five years was Come and See. Yeah. The most harrowing thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And conversely, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I felt that way a little bit about Stalker too. Stalker was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Get that on YouTube, people. That's a that's a hell of a film. Uh, I have some squid bits, and then Ben and I are going to, uh, as a little treat for you, we're going to give you our rankings of David Lynch films. So, um, first up, squid bits. David Lynch filmed the movie on a handheld Sony DSR dash PD one fifty. It would have cost around four thousand dollars back in two thousand one. After the film was shot, he declared he would no longer shoot on celluloid because this new medium allowed him more room to dream with a smaller crew, less setup time, and most importantly. No accountability to producers. Uh, do you want to say this, Ben? Uh, this is a quote from him. Uh, film is a dinosaur in a tar pit. Film is a dinosaur in a tar pit. Perfect. Uh, Inland Empire was <laughs> written a, a scene at a time and shot piecemeal over the course of three years. It is incorrect that there wasn't a script. Lynch told a reporter this year uh, in 2022 that there was an actual script and implied that some of it consisted of drawings. So it sounds like oh, it was right. like the Mad Max Fury Road. Great. Um, there's been a remastered version of this movie doing the rounds in North America and released on the Criterion Collection this year. I'd, just- w- I'd would watch it. I'd, oh yeah, I'd be fascinated to watch it. Oh, I'd love to see it in the cinema. I I I, I missed it at the cinema. I, I was it showing in the cinema in Australia. I don't know. Oh, like I, I I would love to see it. I remember, like I reckon if it did, it was on for three hours and then yeah. never shown again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, the only reason I saw it was because I got it from overseas yeah, as well. Right. On December 13, two thousand and six, Lynch sat at the intersection of Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> and L.A. Bray Avenue, LA, with a live cow, the cow's handler, and a big picture of Laura Dern with her name and the words, for your consideration, emblazoned on it to promote Laura Dern, uh, to promote Laura Dern for every award because I believe she gave the best performance of the year and one that will live on in time. She did. You know what I love about that? The cow's handler. The cow's <laughs> handler's there as well. Uh, when asked, Have you seen the, YouTube, the yeah. clip of that of someone driving along? They're like, is that... Is that yeah. David Lynch yeah. sitting with a cow? I did see that. Yeah, so good. So good. Uh, when Cows I, make cheese. He's so funny. He's just so funny. When asked in an Entertainment Weekly interview what the lumberjack is doing in the final scene, Lynch replied, cutting wood. <laughs> uh, 
there's more to this response, but just those two words was like, no, nah, this is that's the that's best, that perfect way to finish doing. this season of Deep Dive Directors. Uh, in Greek, axon means axle, an axis of a solid-like cone or cylinder, the axis of the celestial sphere or a course or path of action. Um, for fans of Brooklyn Nine-Nine... Terry Crews is one of the street people when Nicky dies. He's the guy in the background. And uh, ah, Terry right. Crews is funny. So to see him... Um, anyway, let me put it this way. His character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who's also Terry, Terry would be very bothered by the scene. It would put him off his yogurt. That's a very specific <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine joke, but uh, they should appreciate it. On the DVD, there is a collection of deleted scenes called More Things That Happen, which runs for another 75 minutes. Some scenes are short and inconsequential, while others are quite long and flesh out the themes. Did you check it out? Or? I haven't got the... Oh. De- I've got. Uh, it's so annoying. I've got the Blu-ray, and they don't have those scenes oh. on the fucking Blu-ray. Oh, that's weird. Um, Why I bought the Blu-ray for a <laughs> low-res movie, I don't know, but there we have it. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Anyway, uh, Lynch actually ran into Dern, who he hadn't, uh, who she hadn't. He Lynch actually ran into Dern, who he hadn't seen in a long time, and they agreed they should work on something. At the time, Lynch was working on his website, producing the series Rabbits, mm. themes from the darkened room, and the eventually unrealized Axon N, which all ended up playing a part in this movie. Uh, Lynch wrote a 14-page dialogue that Dern shot for a 70-minute scene. He didn't release it because he considered it too good and held a secret for more. Uh, Dern was paid the standard internet rate of $100. (laughs) Legend. So funny. (laughs) Uh, Initially, Lynch paid the budget out of his pocket and then Studio Canal became involved and contributed $4 million. All right. So just to finish off, um, I thought, do you want to rank your... Lynch list. Sure. Do you want to go from why don't ten, why, 10 to 1? Yeah, go from 10 to 1 and why don't you tell me yours and I'll I'll let you know. Now, I like with all of this it's probably only the first two that are like solidly locked in. Yeah. Number 1 and number 2. So, sorry, is this from the bottom? No, I'm 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 I'm, I'm just prefacing before oh, yes. I say the yep. list. Yeah. Uh, that's not true. The last two and the first two. Okay. Everything in between could change in a heartbeat. Okay. This is just how I feel right now. Okay. So what do you have at number like, 10? Like, I love all of these movies apart from two. Okay. So number so 10. So number 10, Dune. Yep. So we agree on Dune. Dune because it's not a fully realized vision of Lynch. It's compromised yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the rest. Yeah. No, that's the problem. Like, you know, I still had a good time watching it, but like... Yeah. It's not. When will I be re-watching this film? No. No. Exactly. Uh, number nine, Wild at Heart. Oh, interesting. I don't love Wild at Heart. Right. Uh, I, I love the idea of it and I yeah. love moments. Yep. But fully as a movie, it's definitely right down the bottom for me. Yeah. Uh, you're going to hate me. Number eight, Lost Highway. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, like, there's no right or wrong. No, no, no. Uh, again, with Lost Highway, I love pieces of it. Yeah. It doesn't, for me, doesn't work as a coherent whole thing. It's not something I buzz and enjoy watching. And I've done it three or four times now. Yeah. And that's always the feeling I have at the end of it. Having said that, that's how I was with Blue Velvet for many years. And then that suddenly flipped. So right. at any moment, that could change. Yeah. Uh, number seven, the straight story. Yep. 
Uh, it's only this slowed down because I don't. I've only seen it once and I don't know it well. But I cannot wait to revisit. Number six, Blue Velvet. Number five, The Elephant Man. Yep. Number four, Inland Empire. Yep. Number three, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. Do you want to guess what my number two and one are? No. Well, you know what they are, but which is the order? No. Number two, Eraserhead. Number one, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, right. Right. Interesting. And Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead, at, like, as I say, those that list could change, but it's always Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead for me. I think those two are absolute unimpeachable masterpieces. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Uh, so I go... One, yeah, it's it's so funny. Like this is, um, I reckon, in all honesty, uh, only Lost Highway at number one is locked in for me. Mm. Uh, it's funny because like with even with like Nolan and Coppola, again, I like all of those movies, but I would find it a lot easier to whatever ranking means, but to yeah. rank them. The Lynch ones, it's really like... It kind of depends on your mood. Depends on your mood. Yeah. And and I think that they're all, apart from those bottom couple, uh, I think they're all just beyond brilliant. And this rewatch has... I've always really liked him. After this, I love him. Yeah. And I wasn't going to rewatch Twin Peaks. And it was like, literally, I just put it on because it was like, oh, I don't... I'm not ready to leave this world yet. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll go... Since we've gone through your list, I'll just... Bang through mine yeah, from yeah. one, uh, from ten to one. Yeah. So ten was Dune. Yeah. Uh, nine was a race ahead. Whoa. Yeah, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it was the straight story. Uh-huh. Then the Elephant Man. Yep. Then Wild at Heart. Right. Then uh, Wild at Heart. It's interesting film. I loved that as a kid. Like when I saw it at the cinema. Oh. But I think it was such a cinematic experience mm. that I still have quite a lot of affection for it. But it's um, it. There is something... There's just other things I like better. Uh, Blue Velvet. Which Wait, I, what are you up to? Five. Uh, I am up to... I'm up to six. Okay, yeah. So, Blue Velvet was six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twin Peaks, a European movie. Oh, fuck. I forgot to Oh, you forgot it. to put the European doesn't movie. Matter. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. um, I still... Like, it still gives me that same joy that I had when I first saw it with, yeah, yeah, with my yeah. friend Matthew Paxton. Yeah. Then at number four, Inland Empire. Yeah. Number three, Mulholland Drive. Number two, Twin Peaks Fire Walk Walk With Me, which took a... That is possibly... Has shot up from second to last. Oh, yeah. And then Lost Highway. Isn't it funny, the the reappraisal of Fire Walk With Me? Yes. And that's across the board. Yes. Again, I saw an interview with Commode. Yep. uh, Where he was talking about that. He, He was one of the early... The early proponents of that film, right? Like on day one, was like yep. this is a masterpiece. Yep. Uh, but you know, he he said he felt very vindicated that that's now suddenly been recognised for. Yeah. His, yeah. No, uh, I get it. Uh, and, and as we said at the time, I think it can be enjoyed without knowing anything about Twin Peaks law. I think you can watch it just as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anything, like I, I, you know, because we were watching them as movies, mm. uh, I, I feel like. Um, because I rewatched it just before Twin Peaks: The Return, and because I hadn't rewatched Twin Peaks, uh, but I knew that this—I'd 
uh, there was stuff that saying that the movie was going to be important, uh, unencumbered mm. by the history of yeah, Twin yeah, Peaks, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is also important to it. And also, you know, like that second season loses its focus. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and someone comes up to you and says, I'm thinking of watching a David Lynch film. What do you say? Which one do you suggest? And they've never seen one and before. And they've never seen one. And which one do you tell them, do not start with this? <laughs> Don't start with Inland Empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, definitely not. Yeah. Um, probably, probably Mulholland Drive. Interesting. Yeah. Probably Mulholland Drive. Uh, I th- if, um, uh, this is if you want the full-blown experience of his, you know, all of his running themes all of his tropes, mm. you know, because you could, there's probably easier entry points. Yeah. The straight story, Wild at Heart, uh, but I don't think that you're getting the full spectrum of Lynch. Yeah. Uh, Twin Peaks, I would say, might be a bit too fucking much. Yeah. To begin with. Uh, I think Mulholland Drive is, yeah, I think it's the perfect entry point. That's, uh, yeah, I would, I'd probably say a race ahead is yeah, for right. me. I'd say maybe don't start with a race ahead, and then I would. I'd probably, depending on the person, I might suggest Blue Velvet. Yeah, you know, because it just kind of is. Yeah, you know, if if you watch Blue Velvet and you can't cope with Dennis Hopper, <laughs> check out. You're going to be okay. I, I'm wondering if I saw Blue Velvet before Mulholland Drive. Right, I can't remember. But yeah, like my, I think Mulholland Drive was the first. It's definitely the first Lynch that I remember having like a major impact. Yeah, uh, and that was bef- that was God. I was you know eighteen or nineteen years old, yeah. so I didn't even have the language for it. But I remember just being absolutely floored by it. And to yeah. this day, you know, we watched it what three or four weeks ago. Yeah, and it was better than ever. Mate, it was so good. It was a good suggestion. <laughs> and then uh, we might as well shall we shall we tell them what we're going to do for because we're not gonna, we're going to give deep dive directors a, a rest and we're going to do uh, so there's been this idea that we've been playing around with yeah we'll tell them because yeah, then they them. can start watching so we were thinking of uh, top five so we could, which could then let us uh, focus on actors actresses directors mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. so we're going to do our first top five. Mm. And uh, we have a guest who's also going to be helping us out with the finale. Oh, I've really? already locked them in. Very good. And I, know, I, I know the guest. Yeah, yes. you know the guest. And uh, we are going to watch all of the movies that John Cazal made. And he only made five films and all five of them were nominated for Best Picture or one Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And those five films are The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, The Conversation, Dog Day Afternoon and The Deer Hunter. And even though those movies have been talked about a lot, we are going to view them through not only the performance of Kazal, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm going to uh, give you a little uh, backstory on where Kazal was at throughout those. So it'll be yeah, just great. a slightly different flavour to Deep Dive Directors. Yeah. But um, if you want to... Uh, uh, you know, the next season will start like at the end of August, beginning of September. So mm-hmm. if you want to get ahead of the curve and start watching those films, uh, they are the films to do so. Oh, and all great, like, you know, all just solid films. You know, if you're someone who is wanting to maybe broaden your horizons, if you're not a big film watcher, they're all really easy films to watch, but also just really well, a lot of meat on the bone. Well, some of the greatest films ever some made. Some of the greatest films ever made. Yeah. I like, mean, if you've got, you got, you got to be an actor who dies young and is only in five films, my God. 
Like, it's... <laughs> what a crazy run. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of Season 5 of Big Squid. Thank you to Ben, not just for his time on this particular podcast, but for his great company across the whole season. Ben will be back for Season 6, so don't worry, he's not one of the changers. But we are changing up things a little bit. We're not going to do a new deep dive director series. To be honest, Ben and I just couldn't agree on who we wanted to dig into. And rather than compromise, we decided, oh, well, maybe we'll give that a bit of a rest. But in doing so, I came up with a new idea, and it's got a very simple title. We're introducing a new series called Top 5. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at our favourite performances by certain actors and actresses in uh, particular films. And the first season of Top 5 is focusing on John Cazale. Now, you might not be 100% familiar with that name, but you would definitely recognise him because John died at a much, much too young age and he only made five films. But those five films were The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon and The Deer Hunter. They are his only five films. Isn't that insane? And all five, at the very least, were nominated for Best Picture and some even won. So we're going to be viewing those brilliant, brilliant movies, but through the prism of Kazal, and I'll be giving you a little bit of a history lesson on uh, the man himself. So it'll be a little bit like Deep Dive Directors, but uh, a slightly different flavour. And uh, I think... uh, it's a nice little change-up, but we'll come back with Deep Dive Directors soon. But in the meantime, you can gear up for Top 5 with John Cazale. I wanted to call it Up There Cazale, but I don't know how many of you are old-school AFL fans and you might have been confused by that. If that makes two people laugh, I'm, I'm happy to drop it right here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you want to get ahead of the top five series that will be coming out next season, you can start re-watching all five of those films before the season starts, or you can wait to hear what we have to say before maybe returning to those films or watching them for the first time. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. Uh, maybe if you've seen those films before, as I said, we're going to be discussing them literally through the prism of that actor. So we will hopefully be finding different angles for you that aren't uh, the usual angles on, you know, especially like movies like The Godfather and The Godfather 2 that have been discussed to such lengths. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a new way to uh, discuss those films and uh, hopefully just shine a light on a talent that was taken Way too soon. What a bummer. Just the stuff that he would be creating now and all the movies that we missed out on. And, uh, you know, and that's just from a selfish point of view, the life that he would have lived as well. Such a beautiful actor. Anyway, I'm looking forward to bringing that to you in season six. And we will be bringing back some of your favourite segments. So don't worry, Space Podacy, Pass the Amel, Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. They're the three that you wrote to me the most about, including Deep Dive Directors. So they'll be coming back. And, you know, we'll still be uh, looking at a few other little segments as well. 
a lot of love for Sarah Bennett and romance. Who would have thought all you people out there were such softies at heart? So we've got a, an idea for something towards the end of the year as well. So hopefully we can make that work for you. Uh, a big thank you to our Patreon subscriber of the episode, Glenn. I hope you enjoyed not just this season, but your podcast as well. Please Say hello to Suze for me and give Oscar a hug. Remember, if you'd like to sign up to our growing Big Squid community and have access to bonus material, remember there's a Patreon-only episode coming out later this week with my thoughts on Oppenheimer and Moon Age Daydream. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Hamilton underscore Big Squid. Adelaide, remember to use your code to get money off your tickets for our live Big Squid recording in Adelaide on the 16th of September. Head over to adelaidecomedy.com, use the discount code BIGSQUID, and you will be able to join me with my guests Rove, Will Anderson, Tom Gleason, Adam Richard, Georgia Mooney, Limo, Mickey D, and making his Adelaide debut, Ben Irwin. Melbourne and Sydney, don't forget to use your discount code for my live show, Little Victories, and you will score cheaper tickets to see me at the Sydney Comedy Store on the 28th of October and Comedy Republic on the 26th of November. The code is PODCAST. Thank you uh, for everything, everyone. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being a fantastic community. I love making this podcast, and it's just uh, a real treat to have such a smart audience. And it's not just that you're smart, but you're inquisitive, you're creative, you're funny, and you're loyal. And uh, I do not take any of that for granted. And you know what? It gives me confidence as well to continue to push this podcast in in new and exciting places. You, you know, you've known me for a while now. You know my work. You know that if things are stagnant, that's when I start to really struggle, even if it's successful, if it's stagnant and not feeling like it's moving forward or pushing boundaries or, you know, just trying something that uh, is, is a little bit different, uh, you know, that, that's when I start to kind of lose focus and, and lose impetus. So thank you for keeping me inspired. And I, I can't talk about some of the other things that I'm working on at the moment, but uh, there are plans especially with Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. There's there's something that I'm working towards that if I can... It probably needs another season of you getting used to the format and getting used to uh, what we're doing there. But once that's up and running, that's that's got a big plan that uh, I'm really keen to uh, get rolling. But, uh, you know, I want to do it properly, so baby steps, as it were. Who knows what the new season of big squid will hold and I thought well just for our fun I'm going to make a prediction so let's see if this holds up we won't be able to know if this prediction is correct until towards the end of the year but I'm going to make this prediction for you and we can see how we feel towards the end of November and my prediction is I think Wakanda Forever is going to be the best Marvel movie since the double punch of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. It's going to blow everything out of the water that we've seen recently. It's going to blow the series out of the water. And we're going to look at that and we're going to go, that is a good film. A properly good film. I have a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler. And the trailer made me quite emotional. And I was watching it with, as you can guess, the slight indifference that I have felt towards Marvel over the course of the 17 movies and TV series they have released in the last 18 months. That's too much! But that trailer looked tasty. 
So, fingers crossed I'm right. That would be good if I'm right. It would be a bummer if I'm wrong. It's not a prediction to be right. It's a prediction to be hopefully right. <laughs> Let's finish this season with a quote from Ingmar Bergman. Film is dream, film is music. No art passes our conscience in the way film does and goes directly to our feelings, deep down into the dark rooms of our souls. Take care out there. Until then. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.